Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. We're continuing with our series called Breaking Myths About God. And our text scripture is Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. The very first myth we studied was God is trying to teach us something through sickness, disease, bad circumstance, temptation, and tragedy. And we found out that that's not true. The second myth we discussed was God works in mysterious ways. And we found out in the New Testament, it's no longer mysterious. And then myth number three, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we found out that a proper reading of that would be the Lord gives and the Lord receives. And then the fourth one was the myth of acts of God, where God is blamed for bad things which he has not done and not honored for the good things which he has done. And yesterday we started on the doctrine of suffering. Yes, there is a suffering for Christians. However, Christian suffering is not sickness, disease, poverty, tragedy, negative circumstances, accidents, or temptation, but rather persecution, shame for his name, trials of temptation, and the suffering of our flesh cries out as we walk in the Spirit. So we can find suffering as a Christian, we see it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. However, the suffering for a Christian spoken of in the Bible does not include what we've already stated, being sickness, disease, poverty, tragedy, spiritual death, and so on. Yes, most of us have suffered some of these things in life as Christians, and this is why Jesus came. He's our Savior, our Deliverer. And the Holy Spirit is our helper. John fourteen sixteen in the Amplified Version says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. Remember, through the teaching of his word and by his example, he mentors us on how to handle the difficulties we face in life, and he redeemed us from the curse of the law, which includes sickness, disease, poverty, and so on. But we're not redeemed from the suffering of persecution, or shame for his name, tests of temptation, and suffering in the flesh as we walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 in the Amplified Version says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. 
As the King James Version states in 1 Peter 4.16, in our suffering as Christians, we should glorify God on this behalf. Does it really say glory in suffering? Well, yes, but not the myth of sickness, disease, poverty, lack, and unrighteousness. We should rejoice in the fact that even though we're redeemed from the curse of the law, we will suffer persecution, suffer shame for his name, face temptation, but have the ability and strength to win, suffer in the flesh, and suffer as Christians. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, If we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. And oh, here's another scripture that slaps the devil in the face. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And in the Amplified, it says, We are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Well, what does this mean? It means that God is not the author of bad circumstances, hard times, tragedy, accidents, and so on. However, there is no situation God can't use to our benefit and we come out better on the other side. Well, take that, devil. Take just a minute to let this passage sink into your spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let's read our text scripture again. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. The number one danger with myths and traditions are that they are believed. What we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth will come to pass. Well, this is a serious problem if we believe false information, also known as lies. Mark eleven twenty three through 24 it says, For surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. What we believe will dictate what we say. What we believe and say will create the environment and life we live in. It doesn't matter whether it is positive and right, or negative and wrong. Jesus told an interesting parable about this very truth. Luke chapter 19, verses 12 through 23. 
Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then he came to the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you, that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, and slay them before me. Somehow this servant of the king had a preconceived idea his king was an austere person who reaped where he had not sown. Where did he get this idea? From those other negative people who hated the king. You see, most people who have a negative attitude start with preconceived ideas that all of life stinks. This attitude self-perpetuates and filters everything through a negative mindset. Then no matter what someone says or does, their filter puts it through their negative receptors and they receive things as negative instead of positive. Even with a simple, hi, how are you today, a negative person would filter that and conclude, oh yeah, like you really care. The servant in the parable was so convinced his king was austere and unfair, his actions fell right in line. Instead of investing the money and gaining more, he hid it so he would not produce for the king. His selfish, negative, misinformed attitude was not going to let the king prosper while he did all the work. Was he right? No, he really missed it. The king was not that way at all. His information was incorrect. He was acting on a false myth and tradition. The first two servants made investments and the king rewarded them. This parable is actually about God and us. The most amazing thing to me is the king never attempted to correct the wicked servant. He never told the servant he was wrong. Why? Because God has given us free will to decide what we believe is true or not. And how difficult is it to change someone's preconceived ideas and beliefs? Very difficult. Has our king given us any written material concerning his character? Has he given us any examples so we can learn his will? Is there any history we can study to know of his goodness? Yes, the word. But what can he do if we refuse to listen? He can pray, but that's about it. He simply cannot force anyone to believe in him. 
Here's a good example. Tomorrow, I'm going to meet you, the CEO, for the first time at a hiring interview. But for the last few days, I've heard a lot about you. I've heard you're a real jerk. You don't care about anyone, and all you want is the bottom line, money. And if I do not perform to your standards, I'll get my pink slip. You're a slave driver with a vengeance. But my information is wrong. The person who told me this was fired because they were lazy, always late, never completed assignments, and they spent all day surfing social sites on the computer. You, the CEO, enter and begin to share with me how to grow the business and how to increase my pay, and then you step out for a phone call. What is my conclusion? Do I believe the lie, or is it possible you're an excellent CEO? What's the best way to handle this? I should get to know you, the CEO. Can you, the CEO, convince that slothful worker you fired to change his attitude? Fact is, you've tried to mentor him for months to no avail. You just had to let him go. It's amazing, but our time is up once again. So come back tomorrow at the same time, same place, and same channel, and we'll continue with our series, Breaking Myths About God. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.